Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Paul Schaefer, who is dead for 52 minutes, but during his near-death experience... It felt like it was days. Paul, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, good to meet you. Good to meet you. Likewise. If you don't mind, can we start on the day that it happened? Yeah, it was, um, it was Sunday the 9th of January this year, so seven months ago or eight months ago now. Um, I'd had some chest pains and... Uh, They'd lasted for a little while, maybe a couple of hours, and I really wasn't taking much notice of them. Um, 2015 and 2016, I previously had two uh, heart attacks, and those heart attacks, had, uh, I'd ended up in hospital with stents, but I had no issues with that, you know, perfectly fit after that. Anyway, the, the pains became apparent that they were turning into that kind of same heart, situation arm pain and and the like and the chest pain got worse and it was hard to breathe so I, I rang an ambulance I said to the, my wife you know I think we should go to the A&E um, uh, so with that we did and then we were told it's half hour before we can get an ambulance to you so you're better off making your way to the hospital which is only thankfully, two minutes from where I live in London. Um, my wife drove at great speed, uh, avoiding all red lights, um, and got me there in about two minutes, three minutes. And as I, um, as I got into the situation of the A&E, sort of the triage, um, sitting in a chair, which was, you know, I went straight through, straight into the triage room, sat down, the nurse put the cuff on my arm to take my blood pressure and I died. Hmm. Um, I was told, my wife told me that they dragged me off the chair uh, or the nurse dragged me off the chair and then started immediate CPR. And, um, oh, just seen somebody's put on here. The Queen's, the Queen has just died. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the A&E, um, crash team were called and the next thing I know after they've done the 52 minutes of defibrillation and um, CPR was my coming round which was like being in a plane crash is the only way I can describe it I've got 13 broken ribs um, I had a um, so much pain and I was thrashing about and flailing around and they they then put me into an induced coma um and I know I knew no more until I I woke up which was a couple of days later and 
during that time of being gone for the 52 minutes where they were doing CPR and um, and the defib, uh, and obviously all the adrenaline shots that they give you in the heart and all that kind of thing, I'd drifted into this lovely world of peace and tranquility um, and was kind of immersed in a colour I can't describe because it's not anything that is part of our spectrum. Um, and, the con you know, it was kind of a, a mad... The 52 minutes seemed like a long time, like days and days and days of, um, of thoughts and feelings and, and knowledge. A great, a huge amount of knowledge was coming into my mind. And it got to the point where I felt an overpowering feeling of being home, if that makes any sense. Like it's just like you've gone away. I would imagine it would be if somebody went off to war and they was been around for a couple of years in a war and they come home and it's that elation, that feeling of elation of going home. And it felt that way. Um, it also felt that... Um, Obviously, this really intense feeling of love, and 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 being wanted and needed, but very calm and peaceful. And so, while all this was going on, obviously I'm being crashed about. I didn't know none of that. I didn't see. I didn't see any lights or anything like that. And I didn't have any knowledge of of anything that was was happening to me in terms of my physical body, but my mind was in a place where I had knowledge I didn't see anybody in the physical you know in this in the sense that you know oh, there's Jesus or there's the light or whatever it was all it was more the sense of knowing that they were there and it was one of those um kind of I don't know how to describe it really Oh, it's really an overpowering feeling that you know that you're, you know, my mum had passed. I knew she was there. I knew my dad was there. I knew my granddad and my parents and, and uh, you know, for, for, you know, all my family before me were all there and felt that um, I was safe. It was, it was a nice, safe, soft, loving, magical kind of feeling. It was hard to describe the only way I could describe it is when you first when you first meet your first girlfriend and you fall in love and you know you're kind of like that's the it's like that sort of thing and it's like intense kind of need and want and um and during the time this was going on um I kind of had I don't know if it's mind faults or you know, I was I wasn't talking to anybody in specific, but I was getting loads of information. Like, why why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we on this planet doing this stuff? You know, um, I'm a charity volunteer and I've done charity work now for the last uh, 22, 24 years, and I've also had um, 12 years of being an elected councillor. So I don't. You have councillors, I take it in America, but um, 
councillors over a sort of one under a senator, if you like, you know, so I did 12 years of that. So, you know, it was all about what, what have I done here? What have I, what have I achieved here? And why am I here? And this came across as being like being at school, like being at college or university. You're here to learn. That's the feelings that I was getting. It was like you, you haven't, com you haven't completed any tasks that you said you were going to do. And that also thought was that I'd, I'd made this arrangement, this contract. I don't know, some the deal you do when you're there to come here and do this thing on on this hearth. And, and it was and it was it's not completed. The feeling of not being complete of what you've supposed to have done. So, you know, if I was supposed to repair a car or whatever, I haven't I haven't got to the end of it, it's not running yet. And and that I had uh, that I'd more to do and it was also about um, kind of learning that people are playing a very, very important part. We're all linked. We're all like a chain link fence. We're all connected somehow. And so all the things that we do, you know, if you walk up the road and you turn right, it's got a different connotation to going left. And you see that, you understand that. And I also got to understand that I'd have, at some stages in my life, I'd obviously offended people. And that offence, although not recognised by me, was recognised, you know, they, I was seeing that they were offended, the people in the past that I'd offended. And I could see from their point of view how they felt rather than how I felt. You know, I might have said something out of turn and not even thought about it, but they've taken offence. And I've got all of this kind of massive flooding information. But it was just like, uh, it just it seemed like a, a hell of a long time, days and days of this stuff uh, coming into my mind. Obscure things, you know, like, <laughs> are you going to laugh at this? Because I did. Um you know, we we talk to we talk to our pets, don't we? We talk to our dogs and cats, and and they respond. You know, when you teach them, they're kind of parrot fashion. You know, roll over, smile, bark, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was and the knowledge of having the pets have understanding. You can communicate with a pet. You don't have to talk to a pet. You can communicate by not talking, just by I don't know thinking or transferring the faults and they can actually command a conversation and it doesn't make any sense does it it makes absolutely it's balmy you know and I one of the things that I said when I was talking after when I came round a couple of weeks after I came out of it all was I'm not going to recount this to people because they're going to think I'm off my crown they're off my head you know that this is balmy stuff this is real crazy, you know, and I and I sort of kind of promised my family, like, you know, I'm not going to talk about this too much, but we had a discussion or two about what I'd gone through, but I still kind of feel that way. I feel even now talking to you, I'm thinking, oh, you think I'm mad, you know? <laughs> it's just it's just out of it's not in the same realm of, of things that we do on an everyday basis. So, 
it's like as though you've had some kind of hallucinogenic drug, you know, it's an inducement of some kind of, uh, I don't know, speed or, or LSD or something like that. It's surreal, really surreal. Um, but during that time of, of, of the 52 minutes that I was gone, which I said, you know, was felt like days, um, all this information, you know, that you would never normally think about. You, you wouldn't be in my head, you know, certainly wouldn't be in my head. I'm a kind of logical guy. I'm here, I do a job, and when I finish that job, you know, it's over. But the faults kept coming back that you haven't finished this job that you're supposed to be doing, this tasking that I've put myself to. I also got to understand this, that we choose when we're born, we choose how we exist, we choose when we die, and we choose how we die. We choose that. That's, that's in my head. That's the faults that I was having. That's the sort of crazy bits, really. Um, and we won't, we won't go until we've actually completed all of the things that we said we were going to do. So at, at that point, I mean, there was a lot of after thoughts um, after I came out. So when they brought me out of, when they brought me out of the, uh, or re resuscitated me at that point when I was flaming about, I was more interested in this plane crash situation than what I'd been through. Cause I'd gone from what seemed like five, four or five days into what felt like a nanosecond of time of nothing. Like I'd, like I was just sitting in the chair a minute ago. What am I doing here? What am I doing? You know, uh, why are all these ribs broken? I've got 13 broken ribs, you know. I've I've been on this machine they call a Lucas machine. I've been on, I've been smashed about and you know, having ribs broken by doctors and nurses. I've had shocks, I've got burns, I've got all this sort of stuff going on in my life. I'm thinking, well, how did this occur? I, I was just sitting in the chair a minute ago, and now this sort of you know, second in time, even though I've got all these thoughts about this stuff, is the time's gone past in a in a split second of a nothing. And so then became the, obviously uh, the recovery, and uh, they put me in into induced coma, um, which I was in for about, I think, two, maybe three days. I can't remember exactly now. Memory's shot in that sense. Um, there's still lots of bits and pieces that come to mind for no reason. Um, but when I when I when I came out of the coma, it was horrific, horrific. And then when the time that I was in hospital, because there was no, it's during the time of the pandemic, height of the pandemic, or the last height of the pandemic, the second part of the pandemic, I wasn't allowed visits in the hospital, so I was pretty much alone. Um, no family visitors were allowed in, in uh, the UK. So I was pretty much uh, alone, except for the nurses that were looking after me in the intensive care unit. And I was, I was, I was shot, you know, my kidneys had failed, my liver had failed, it all gone. Um, and I wasn't really on the, on a good side of living of any, in any situation. Um, so it wasn't until, um, I think the third week of intensive care 
a high dependency unit, I'd had dialysis and the, the kidneys had started to return and the liver was starting to work again. Because it was all shot, it was all gone, it was all failed. Um, and I was having dialysis and blood transfusions. Um, my blood had turned acidic and was starting to thicken, I gather. Um, I, I, I got to speak on the phone, on the, on the mobile phone, which I could barely hold at that point because I was too weak. Um, but I had a nurse help me. And it got to the point where I understood that my family were told the chances of my survival were pretty much low um, because I'd been around um, without oxygen, uh, having the CPR for that amount of time, I was likely to suffer from what they call a noxic brain injury. So uh, lack of oxygen to the brain would have made me a kind of a vegetative state. Um, and they told my family, you, you know, you don't expect any real change. You know, chances are I'd probably be in a pretty bad condition. Um, not probably been not been able to move or talk or do anything like that. Um, but when I did come round, I got this, um, I suppose it was, the doctors asking me uh, my name. They said to me, what's your name? Do you know where you are? Do you know why you're here? Can you move your arms? Can you move your legs? Can you blink? Can you move your fingers? And I could do all of that. So I remember one doctor looking at the other doctor saying, this guy's got nine lives, you know, he's, he, he shouldn't be doing any of this. And at that point, they told my family, you know, he's, he's actually back and he shouldn't be. And then I became um, an interest in the hospital to people about what had previously occurred. It, doctors and nurses were coming into, the, uh, into my room and asking me, you know, when you were gone, what happened? And then I started to remember these things again and recounting these things again, you know? And um, to the point where at one point they said, well, you know, you're a medical mystery really because you shouldn't be here. You should never have survived that kind of length of time without any oxygen because my heart just quivered. It didn't do any beating in that 52 minutes until about the 51st minute, I suppose. And so um, just being alive for them is, was like, wow, you know what I mean? And then they started asking the questions because obviously they've seen it before. You know, I was asking, what happened, Paul? You know, did you see anything? They always say, I start with that. Did you see anything? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I did, but you're not going to believe it because I still can't believe it. You know, I still can't get my head around any of it. And, um, and it kind of, all the bits and pieces came back about the, the colours and the and the uh, and the the intensity of the love and the and the faults of your family being there looking out for you and and understanding that we're not alone ever we're never alone they're, they're, it's like when you die you just move like from one chair to another but you're in a different a different time and a different dimension. Time 
has no meaning when you're dead. No meaning at all. As I said, it's like the feeling that we humans created time, that time has no relevance to death. And so being dead for a minute or 52 minutes makes no difference. It's it's a nothing. It's that is that nanosecond, even though the feeling is that it's a long time. It's not. And our life isn't that way either. Our life isn't very long. And what we do in that life is important. Um, that it's timely that we do it. When we do it, we do it in the right way. And we, we my understanding of it was that everything has a, a time and a place on this planet to do what you have to do before you can go back to that dimension that you were previously in. And that's where we all started from. We don't, we're not here, we want, we're born here of this earth, of our mothers, but we started there. Our, our, this is just the meat soup that we've chosen. It sounds crazy. But that's what it is. We're a meat suit. I'm not even sure now to this day. I sometimes feel that I'm not quite back. You know, that might sound a bit strange as well. But I sometimes think, am I being operated by my spirit, soul, whatever, on a kind of remote basis? Is this just a, you know, uh, a method of transportation, a method of, of doing things? Um, but I'm not, I feel like there's still something back there that hasn't quite come back here. Does that make any sense? Um, loads and loads of, uh, you know, afterthoughts. You know, once I was out of the hospital, I was in there for about three weeks in intensive care, and they let me home, very disabled by whatever was, you know, the crushing ribs. I, a chest full of Lego bricks all moving about inside. And then just the kind of reoccurring uh, thoughts um, of, of, of things that, have, that I would never have, never have thought of before, like the, the, the dogs and cats and the pets thing and all that. So it was, it was quite intense and quite, um, in, in a sense, memorable that it was in a good way. It wasn't a bad way. There wasn't, you know, I, I gained the knowledge there isn't a hell. There's no, there's no place. You're not going to be punished. And that we are all part of the same existence. We're all, if you want to call it God, a deity, I don't know really what you would want to, how you want to book it, but we are all as good as each other we are all similar souls all part of this one unity one thing and we've all got a place to be and a part to play and um and we do we do and when we've done we we leg it back you know and then carry on in our original world of spirit soul being you know, um, as I said, which is just crossing the road from one place or moving a chair from one room 
in a room to another chair in another room or or something of that nature. You know, it's not far away and they're not far away. The other, that was the main thing is knowing that I'm sitting here talking to you now, Jeff, but I feel that my family are surrounding me. They are here. They can, they can be two or three or five. They could be ten. But they've all got the ability to be here. And you have the ability as well when you're gone to the afterlife to make contact with, not necessarily in terms of ghosts and spooky things and stuff like that, but you can do it by making that person aware that you're there. They not necessarily get it. At, at, at that point in time, but they will eventually understand that, oh, I reckon that must have been me, uncle or me auntie or, you know, some loved one making a kind of contact. It could be the craziest things, you know. Um, I'm convinced my, my, every time I see a squirrel now, we have a lot of grey squirrels in England. Um, every time I see a squirrel, I'm convinced now that that's my mum recognizing or telling me that she's here and she's about and she had no link to anything any animals in that sense but that's the way i feel about it that's the way you know i see a squirrel in the morning running across the front i've had them actually sitting on the gate never been done never seen it before and now i have squirrels sitting on the gate at my house looking at me i could be sitting on a little bench outside my house and uh there'd be a squirrel sitting there just looking at me, you know, and you think, um, I say good morning. It's crazy. I know it's crazy, but I say good morning to a squirrel. It's madness. I think they're going to put me away one day. <laughs> so, I mean, that in a, in a, in a succinct way, I suppose is, is what occurred. Um, like I say, you, you're here to learn. You're here to learn why you're here what reason i'm back i don't know people say oh you must have done some really good things to for people and therefore you know you've been given that second chance if you want um but i don't know i don't really know it doesn't seem to be you don't know the purpose you only know that you have to complete it whatever it is i have to complete it and if that's doing but i have learned that you should always do as much good as you possibly can. I've always been a, 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 a Christian man, although I was, you know, before I had the near-death experience, you could call it, I always wondered if, you know, we would meet our, our Christian brethren, you know, whether I'd see Christ and whether I'd see God, but I didn't see any of the light stuff that people talk about. And I didn't know any of that, really. Um until I started looking into it. So like a, a couple of months ago, um, when I got involved in, you know, the sort of Facebook NDE stuff and, um, and other people's accounts of it. And then, oh, yeah, do you know what? I remember that. And sometimes they can trigger little memories that you didn't, didn't have at that time. You know, oh, where did that come from? But I've remembered it and it sort of goes on. But, yeah, so we're here in this big library of um, font of knowledge that I don't know what for, and I don't know why I'm here. All I know is that I'm blessed enough to be alive and with my family for another 
number of years. I've got 93 in my head for some reason. So whether that's going to be the time. I was told yesterday um, uh, what caused the problem, um, which I didn't know. Uh, it was just, you know, it was an unknown electrical fault somewhere. I didn't even know that, that your difference between uh, your heart has got electrical side of it and the plumbing side of it. So you've got electricians, you've got plumbers in cardiology, you know, people that deal with specifics. And I learned yesterday it was a blood clot because I had, I'd had cancer only three months before my cardiac rest. I suffered from bowel cancer and had had that successfully removed. It was it hadn't reached metastasis stage and they just took a lump out and just joined it together. And I'd recovered quite well from that. Um, as I have with this, you know, I shouldn't really have recovered that quickly with that, but I did, but it was probably a, a leftover blood clot um, from a lack of blood thinners, I suspect. Uh, I put that down to me, but um yeah, so here I am, you know, recounting all this past experience and looking forward to a, a longer life now because they've told me that the chances of it happening again is pretty remote. So, you know, it's not so scary now. It was scary, but it's not. So, but I'm not frightened of dying, that's for sure, you know, because it's that, that was good. You know, that was a really uh, good experience you know, um, as opposed to plane crash situation coming out of it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it, really. Um, uh, I can't think of anything else that I could add, add to that, apart from this, you know, these memories that come up late, you know, late in the evening sometimes when I'm just sitting there, could be watching the telly or doing a crossword or whatever, and then suddenly think about something. And where did that come from? Yeah, that's me. That's me, mate. Paul, thank you for sharing your experience with us. At any time during your NDE, did you ever recognize that, hmm, I'm dead or maybe I'm dead? No. No, no. Never had a thought of that. The only, the only thing that I can remember that would resemble was the knowledge that my son, daughter, wife, and both my grandchildren were in a room with me. And one of them was stroking my forehead and they were all wrecked. They were all in tears because they'd just been told, even though my heart was beating, I wasn't out of the woods. And I had that memory. And that was the only memory of, of any of that, you know, being dead. I wasn't dead. I was just having a good time. Thanks very much. You know, so no, I have no account of being dead at all. As far as you understood, perhaps you were just in a dream or you were just doing something else. You just kind of well, left the hospital and went somewhere else. It wasn't something that I was recognizing. I wasn't, it was real. It was very real. It was, more real than, than uh, you know, I can describe me as now. You know, it was, it was like, this is the dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the reality. 
And it still feels like that's the reality. And this is, like I said, it only feels like I'm 80% back here. It's 20% out there somewhere doing something else, you know. Um, I, I have been psychiatrically evaluated uh, recently. Um, I left it for months and months. And I am going through, I gather, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is expected memory loss which is expected, short-term memory loss, you know. You ask me, do I want a cup of tea? And then 10 minutes later, you ask me again, do I want a cup of tea? And I'll probably have an answer. Or I've said to you, can I have a cup of tea, even though I've got one next to me, you know. So, but, no, um, no, it's just, it just seems that that was more real than than my existence. Quite often on the show, we talk about the higher self, and I kind of feel more it's a complete self. And it sounds like you were describing it, like when you said that some of you is still there. Do you think yeah. that really all of you is there and only a part of you is here, which is limited by your brain? Yeah, I think, I think as I said to you, um, I believe that somewhere in the back of my mind that this is not this is controlled this is done from another place that that possibly that's where i am still and this is remote this is you know this is something that's being done you know i'm outside of my body it's like not in a dream state but in a uh you know when you you know when you, you sleep and you wake up and you've had a dream but you can't remember um, and you, you're kind of racking your brains and thinking, oh, what was that all about? Um, but you, you don't get it. You know you've had a dream. You can get little bits, but you don't know the full story. And that's the way it feels. It feels like this isn't the full story. This isn't the, this is like the dream, but I've woken up. I'm out there waking up. I'm not here woken up. So I'm kind of away from it all. This as I said, I describe it as a meat suit, you know, and once we leave it, we're back how we should be, how we started. Um, yeah. In a bit of fear in the distance. Could you say like this world here is like a video game and we projected our consciousness into this game, but we're limited? Mm, I wouldn't say it was a game. I'd say it was, I'd say it was an educator. I'd, go for for education i'd say it was like going going to learn to to gain knowledge um yeah, whatever that is um but you can go back um i had the sense that you can go back and get some of it and understand something which is probably what's happened to me is like i've gone back there and and I've gained a little bit more knowledge, more than I had before I left, for sure, because I wouldn't have had any of these thoughts. You know, I, I would have been thinking about how much food I could deliver to a food bank. I certainly wouldn't be thinking about anything that had gone past in that experience of being dead for fifty-two minutes. So yeah, I I, I think it, I think it's an experience of learning. I think it's not not a game. I think it's. It's a necessity. It's an understanding that that's for whatever reason there is, what the end result is, I couldn't tell you, but 
maybe to maybe to go up uh, up a ladder. I don't know. Maybe to be, as you say, a higher self or something somewhere else. I've got the impression that we're not we're not all on the same level as well. But that came afterwards. That wasn't that wasn't a fault that I had immediately in the hours straight after coming out of the coma um, or that I'd remembered. It was kind of later on and I thought, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's about how the bits that you've learned are the lessons that you need to go come back and do something here that will eventually get to the point where you are fully educated in whatever it is you've challenged yourself to do before you can go back home to the afterlife or the beginning of life or our spirit world. So, yeah, I think that's, I, I think uh, that's how I would look at it. it would be not a game. It's, it's an education. It's a, it's a, a fact that we have to do it. We have to do it. Do you think that your NDE was pre-planned or an accident? No, I think it was. I think it was an accident. I th I feel like that if it was pre-planned, I'd be there. I think you know, as I said, I'm under the understanding that we choose our demise. We choose when and where and how. And so, if I'd have chosen that, I would have been there. I wouldn't be back. I would have stayed there. And the feeling of wanting to be there is, is, is quite overpowering. You know, it's like I said, I don't fear death. In fact, death's a doddle. <laughs> you know, it's easy. Life is hard. Life is hard compared, you know, and, and not, so, not so happy. Not so happy. But um, having to understand that, it's changed my spiritual attitude towards people. I don't take things too seriously anymore. You know, um, I certainly, you know, being a, a former elected member of Her Majesty's government, you know, I, I've seen some things and now I just look at another, another day, another dollar, just get on with it. You know, it's enjoy your life as much as you possibly can and be as good as you possibly can and do as good as you possibly can do, you know, and then maybe you've earned your ticket. I don't know. You know, maybe you've got your your bus fare home once you've done enough good things, you know. Um, I do understand uh, in my mind that there isn't any devils. There's no hell or, um, you know, because why would you ever, why would you ever creator? Uh, again, you, you know there is a creator, but you know that that creator is in you and you know that you're part of that. And you're part of it as well. So you're part of, of that same creation. So why would it, if a good thing created you, why would it give you a bad rub at the end? You know, why would you be, you know, if you read, I've, I read, used to read the Bible every day, every day. I'm not a vicar or a pastor or anything like that, but I, I could never get my head around the Old Testament. Like chewing lumps of gristle, you know. Um, but I could, I could, I've easily read the New Testament, I don't know, a dozen times, but I'm not promoting myself as a goody-goody Christian or, 
you know, I'm better than you or anything like that. I'm not a religious man. I don't go to church. I just have, I had that faith. But, you know, since I had the NDE, I haven't read the Bible. I haven't read that Testament. And yet I, I read it. I read it up until January. I read it every single day for years and years and years. I would start, the, I'd start at the beginning of, you know, Matthew and go right away through to the end and then start again as soon as I'd a chapter a day, every day. Um, but it, it doesn't, it, I know more now than I did before. So I'm not searching for that. It's, it's knowledge now. It's knowledge that when we go, wow, you're, you're, you know, all the promissory notes that are in now, I suppose, are there. They're already there. You've already preset that. Um, and your existence here. So when you go, you go back home, you go back to your original plan, uh, original way of life or spirit or whatever, you're certainly not dead. You're not dead. You're not, when you die, you know, your meat suit might be thrown in a fire or buried in the ground, but you're not dead. You're not dead. I'm convinced of that. Have you noticed since you've been back that you have any mental abilities that you didn't have prior? Superpowers, you mean? <laughs> well, you no, know, maybe some really. kind of clairvoyance just, or premonition or... Inch, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Inch, intuition. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can, I, can, I know when something's going to go wrong now. Feel it. Before, I, I didn't have that sense. But now, yeah. Definitely. Um, and I can preempt things happening. I can see sometimes I can see things in my mind's eye that I wouldn't have seen before and think, oh, that's not a good thing. You know, driving the car, you know, I drive like Miss Daisy now. Um, before, you know, I drive, I, I was drive. I, I own a, uh, a, a Jaguar XJ, which is quite fast, supercharged thing. Um, and I would have been sort of flying down a motorway, you know, 78 mile an hour all day long, just cruising. Now I'm very conscious. I'm very conscious of looking at about, you know, people cutting other people up and, you know, kind of nearly having accidents. And I sort of know that I should be stepping back, get back out of the way, you know, because this is going to happen. And a few times I've seen cars come past me and I thought oh that's not going to be a good ending and now I've got down the road a bit and guess what now ain't a good ending for them you know I mean they're in a situation where their car's written off they may be still alive or you know unarmed but the car's in a bad way and, and there's people standing around scratching their head going how did this happen but I'd already kind of preempted the knowledge of that and step back stand back get back a bit stay away from it you know and it, it kind of makes me smile a little bit because you think, I knew that was going to happen. You know, it's really quite weird, really. But you sort of look at it and, uh, uh, my wife says to me, you know, look at that fella there. Yeah, I know. I can see him. I saw him like 10 minutes ago back there, you know. Uh, yeah, so there is a there is an intuitive part. There is some, you know, some kind of knowledge that you get that things are going to occur and they do. Um, I did have it once when I was 16 years old. My nan 
was sick and I was working uh, in central London and we live in East London, um, which is about probably about 20 minutes back then. It's probably 20 minute drive through central London to get back from like Oxford Street where I was working. And I was just, I was packing up some um, garments in a, a box to be going off to a showroom. And uh, I suddenly had this sense that my nan had died. Uh, and I said to the, the driver, um, who was the van driver at the time, take me home, I just need to go. He was coming back to the factory, which was opposite my house. With, you know, I used to work in the factory opposite my house, manufacturing garments. Uh, I was a cutter in the clothing trade then. And um, he said, what's the matter? I said, I've just got this, I need to go. I need to go home. And I sensed, and when I got to the door, my mum came to the door and she went, your nan's gone, you know. But I knew, I knew it then. And that's the kind of thing that happens now. It's like, I knew that was going to happen, you know. While you were on the other side and you saw other family members, did you interact with them? No. No, no interaction with anything. Um, just knowing they were there, the feeling they were there, feeling that some somebody was there who was your protector, your guard, you know, your mentor, that you had somebody by your side. You didn't see, I didn't see faces. I just had the knowledge that, that they were there. They were actually around me and and they were in a, they were in a, the same state that I was in and that was of almost euphoria you know and excited and and you just had that feeling the sense of it rather than the look or you know somebody dressed up in clothing and you know it was more the feeling of it rather than the seeing of it do you recall any of the other conversation that you had with your pet no, no, <laughs> I've just got the knowledge that they have the ability to communicate, even though they're pets. They have the ability to communicate with us on the same level you and I communicate. But obviously, they, dogs don't talk. You know, I'm not a um, doctor Doolittle by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, and that was quite surreal as well. You know, at one point, um, I, I don't know what I was thinking really. I uh, I was like sort of kind of astounded at the same time, understanding of that astounding sort of thought. It was like, well, it makes perfect sense. You know, why shouldn't why shouldn't you have communication with your pet? Because if you tell your pet pet to lay down or go get a stick, or it does, doesn't it? You know, so it has communication skills, but you don't realise that it has not speech, but thought in terms of you understand the thought of your pet and that pet understands your thought as well. And I think that that is the main, thinking back now, that's probably the way we would communicate in the afterlife. That wouldn't be about lips moving. It would be about thought and feelings and, and, and that kind of connection, really. I don't think it's all about shaking hands and pointing fingers, you know, 
come with me sort of situation. You know, I know now that some people have had those kinds of um, uh, experiences where they have said, oh, I met my mum and she was dressed up in her favourite dress and she was at her favourite age and all that. But I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of that. But I've also seen people that have said, well, I didn't feel anything. I was just dead, you know. Mm. Near-death experience is just black. And there's no more, you know. But even that is something. If you're, if you're not... I always use this age. I ask my grandchildren, what you do and they go nothing i said well and if you're doing nothing you must be doing something and that's what it is you're doing something even though you believe it to be nothing so yeah how has your family reacted to this experience well uh we've had a I've, my daughter and i are well connected in terms of uh of um dialogue with each other we you know she she kind of understands it and she she tells her friends, you know, she's she's 38, um, and she says, oh, you know, my dad, this happened to him and this happened to him, and they're quite interested about that. We don't, well, I mean, we don't talk about it every day. It's really now kind of put on the back burner a little bit. When I first came about um, back into this world, I was kind of excited about telling everybody, you know, I wanted to tell, I wanted to explode with all this information. It's like, i got to tell you this, you know, I mean, this is really, really good. You should know, you know, do not be afraid of dying. It's really great. You know what I mean? It's a good place to be. And I've kind of calmed down a little now. I've sort of seven, eight months on and I'm thinking, I don't think they're going to quite get this. You know, it's not, you know, you're going to look at me like there's a guy in a white coat waiting for you around the corner. So I tend to sort of, we, we don't have that kind of dialogue across the table any longer. We talk about future and what we're going to be doing. And I look forward now more to seeing my family. I always, I mean, I'm a, I'm a family man. I'm, you know, I don't think anybody could have a closer family than me, in my opinion. Um, but I, I feel more connected with people now than I did before. I feel for people. I have more empathy for people, even for people that I never would have done before. You know, I think, hang on, you're here to do this. You've chose this, but it ain't necessarily going to damage anybody. You know, even <laughs> one thing sprung to mind, um, even Adolf Hitler had a mum and she loved him, you know. So the feeling that, there isn't anybody to give you any stick when you're gone because you're born of love. You're born. Everything is around love. It's all about what you do in your life and how much you love your people and your friends and your family and anybody that, that you connect with and everything that you've done in your life is for Forgiven, and I don't know if that's about the Christian side of my thoughts, but I certainly feel that when you go back into into the the time zone that you came from, uh, that there's 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 no guilt, there's no, you know, might have been a murderer or a or a serial killer or something like that, but that's 
that's your choice. That's what you did. And it's almost, it's hard to say really, but comical, strangely amusing when you're there, thinking, God, why did I do that? Oh, I know why I did that, because I chose it, you know? So, but you also, you understand, as I said to you before, you understand the consequences from the other person's point of view, and that gives you, I don't know if you're self-judging or... Uh, or if it's uh, uh, your own guilt, your own feelings of of uh, of kind of I don't know what, what word to use really. Like you've your ability to behave badly is what's caused this person this grief, and you feel shamed by that. The fact that you can now see from their point what you've done. And they can do you. They can do the same to you. They understand that whatever they've offended you in your life, you know, it could be a perfect stranger. You might have just, you know, somebody's come uh, begging you for money, and you're going, "Oh no, go, go away, you, you dog's ass," you know, you tramp. <laughs> At the end of the day, and then you realise, oh, oh, that was a good thing to say. You know, it almost seems like to me that that was a life review that you had. Uh, I don't know. I've heard about the life review bit about, you know, how you've seen that, that probably that bit is. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've, because I don't think I was again, fully in charge, if you like, of where I was. Right. I was still kind of one step on each world. And so whether I got the full value of a life review, which people have recounted, and I've read about those now, um, you know, where they see their entire life flash before their eyes, you know, in a, in a second. I don't think mine was like that. I think mine was just information gathering, you know, this is what I've done here and this is what I'm doing here, you know, and this has affected that because I've affected this person, you know, and, and, and I've offended. And, it's not specific to people. It's specific to what you've done. It's about you. It's about me and and how I see I've offended people rather than a specific person. So, you know, it's not, um, it's not an individual as such. It's just the knowledge that you've done it. You've done it. You've, you've, you've caused offense and, and that is to be, acknowledged that you've caused offence. And does that make me a better person? I don't know. Being back here, um, I certainly I certainly have, like I said, empathy and sympathy more than I would have done before. I'm reticent when it comes to getting involved in anything that's controversial or could be confrontational. You know, I kind of sit back and go, get on with it you know then you'll understand sometime in the future why i've stood back because i don't want to offend you and i don't want to offend the other party so i won't intervene in any arguments or stuff like that i'm not about to stop uh, anybody from um, robbing banks or anything like that you know it's, it's not the way it is that's your choice your person your soul your spirit you do that you chose that so I'm kind of a little bit, 
I suppose, distance from all of that now. You spoke earlier about contacting the living. Do you recall how to do that? No, no. Um, I, I, I know that there's many ways. I know there's many ways, and I can only assume in my in my mind's eye, if you like, um, it can be like my, you know, I said my mum. I can I consider the squirrels are, uh, are the sort of recognition of my mum. I saw um, recently, so, you know, people talk about feathers. I mean, this is not what I saw or what I know. It's what, I've, what I know now or what I understand now from kind of looking at what others kind of recount. You know, I heard this banging noise and it's the same banging noise every night. And that's the sort of thing that I understand is that uh, you have the ability to do, you know, you have the ability to like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, somebody touched you on the shoulder and you, oh, there's nobody there, but you felt like somebody's touched you on the shoulder. So that's, they have the ability to make their self known to their families and friends uh, and others from the afterlife. So there's, there's no lack of their communication. There's no lack of their understanding on how they can do it, and but they can do it. And they can, you know, like I said, as a human being, you don't necessarily recognize it straight away, but you will get it in the end. You know, there will be, oh, I wonder if that's got anything to do with that person or this person. It comes into your mind. It doesn't, it isn't necessarily you've, you're thinking about it and you go, oh, that happened. It's like, I wonder if that was a sign from somebody. But that's the connection. It's the thought is the connection. It's not the, not the event. It's the thought of the event. Knowing that you may return at age 93, does that have any type of an effect on you? No, no, no fear, no fear at all. That's the only effect is that I have no fear. My only fear is how I go, right? But then I know that if I've chosen that, this, that way of going, then so be it. But no, I just, I, I think, you know, it's, it's another step into eternity, really. You know, if it does feel eternal. It does feel, when you're there, it feels like it's a long, long time, a long, long uh, kind of, I can't use the word time. Time don't really mean anything. Um, but it feels like it's long. It feels like you're going to be around, and you've been around a lot longer than you think you have. You know, we are really old souls, you know, um uh, i i don't i don't really understand if we maybe we were created all at the same time i don't know but i know that i feel that i've been around a long time when i was there i felt like i'd been around a long time i felt like my family and my friends and and people that had passed i didn't necessarily know that well had been around for a long time so it feels like you've um you've had a 
not reincarnation. Again, I don't know about that, but I feel like you, you've, you've kind of gone through a spiritual birth and then school and then high school and then this is university this bit you know i mean this is kind of this is the last bit before you you've passed your test and back again doing what you started out to do this is your learning curve yeah the last bit of it so that's how it feels but it feels like it it is long past and long future so i don't fear being there i don't if it's 93 if it's 103 if it's I'm 67, if it's 68, then it's my choice, you know. And when I go back, I will know that that's my choice and that that's the time because I'll be there. This wasn't my time. This was purely kind of coincidental, maybe even, I don't know, maybe even pre-planned as an education, go back, look in the library again, you know, and see some learning there to come back here and do a bit more something with more sympathy, more empathy, more love, certainly more love now, definitely, definitely. You know, I know that, that the power of that is amazing, you know, to give somebody, you can sense somebody who's got love in them and you can sense somebody who hasn't. I can, I can tell, you know, that people have got um, a good sort of soul, if you like. Um, on on this planet you know i can feel that but so that when you say about intuition or extra powers or knowledge or whatever that is one of those things that you kind of recognize that there there's there's somebody instantly nice you know what i mean whereas before you probably would have just seen them in a passing conversation or something like that but you go oh hang on you know this this person is really good you know and and they're doing some good stuff and that's the key to it all that's the key to our existence is uh, using john lennon's words all you need is love you don't need anything else because that's it that's what you started with that's where you're going back to that massive feeling of when you met your first girlfriend and you're entwined you know it's like what you put up the you put the phone down first. No, no, you put the phone down. It's like that, you know. It's that. I don't want to. I want to miss out on this. It's really good. Yeah. If there was some type of message for humanity that you got from this experience, what would it be? Try your very, very best as a human being to do as much good as you possibly can because that's your whole being that's what you should be doing you should be doing good things with people with other don't matter if it's pets or or um, humans or or anything whatever you encounter that you know intuitively that you should be doing good not bad you know never do anybody a bad turn it doesn't it doesn't work and and it and it comes back to you later on later on you you understand it as i've said you understand what you've done in offending people and you know even 
even slating people, even talking about you know people in a bad way is not good. It's not good because it, it actually that actually is something that you recognise as well. Oh, did I say that? You know, you get that sense of I'm not saying that. I'm not doing that. And I think that that's what you are as a human being. We are as humans is not only are we intrinsically linked as souls or spirits, but we're also linked in that point of knowledge of understanding what is offensive and what you shouldn't be doing to your fellow person, fellow human. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. I think you should do good. Just do good. Love as much as you can. Live as long as you can and do some wonderful things while you're alive. Because this is school. This is where you're learning it all from right now. And it's just amazing, really, what you're going to be taking back. And it's amazing what you're going to be learning when you're back there. You know, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go that distance. I'd say that's what I would want to do for me personally. Um, do good. Do good. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chat with you. Are you open to that? And if yeah. so, how can I reach you? Yeah. Um, well, I can, uh, on the Facebook pages, you know, um, uh, I don't, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not a social media giant. I'm not, you know, Facebook is just as new to me as it is to everybody else. So I'm still learning about, I didn't know that you can pick a subject on Facebook until the NDE thing. And somebody said to me, yeah, you know, it was actually sudden cardiac arrest that took me to it. And then from that sudden cardiac arrest thing, it went, oh, have you been on the NDE? Yeah, no, I haven't. <sighs> so I, I do a bit of that. So you can probably get me through that, you know, type in, a, type my name in, Paul Schaefer, you know, um, uh, and, and go through those channels, really. I'm happy to do that. I don't really want to spend, you know, huge amounts of time talking on the telephone to anybody necessarily. Um, you know, if there's something that really is kind of that I haven't explained that, that you need to be explained to, I'm happy to talk to people, you know, in a conversation. I'm not, not adverse to that but um you know i'd sooner do the contact stuff through social media which is which is easiest thing you know and it can be seen by others as well you can you can have your experience with others as well which is good you know i've learned i've learned loads of different people's uh interaction with death and um you know, some say it's horrible and it's awful and it's terrible. And I had a bad time and I saw the devil and I was getting poked with a red hot, you know, poker. And, you know, most of them are like, well, this is good. You know, this wasn't too bad. You know, I traveled there. I saw, when in the, I mean, the people that go into the light and stuff like that, you see that all the time. You know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't experience any of that. I just had this, this font of knowledge going on, really. I was on a learning. I was on a learning trip back there, and I'm on a learning trip back here. I know that. But yeah, anybody wants to talk on uh, online or whatever, I'm happy to talk through Facebook or um, 
what's the thing that we you contacted me on? I can't remember. You mean Zoom? No, the 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 original message. I think that was Facebook Messenger. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, you can. I think anybody can do that, can't they? Well, yeah. As long as they have Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if uh, you're going out on a podcast, which is on, is that YouTube? You're doing well. This I'll I'll post to YouTube, but I also make an audio version that goes out to places like, you know, Google Podcasts and iTunes and Spotify. Right. See, they just went mm. <laughs> straight over my head, then, mate. So uh, I've got no understanding of that. So I'm 67 years old, coming on 19 now, anyway. But um, I, you know, I've never been a wizard of anything uh, IT or anything like that, you know. I'm still pen and paper and uh, and kind of a text message now and again. But well, if you're supposed to be around until 93, you've got over 20 years to learn and get great at it. <laughs> I'll start on it now. <laughs> I'll start on it now. Yeah, that'll be good. Paul, thank you for being my guest today again. I really appreciate you, and I wish you a great rest of your evening. Uh, you too, my friend. You too. Yeah, God bless and have a good life, yeah? Thank you, and God bless you. And you. Bye, mate.